Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're here with me, Danko, on Your Money. And it's time for our daily dose of money and me. And joining us in the studio today is Roshan as well. Good morning, Roshan. How are you doing? Good morning, Dan. Good to be here with you. All right. And today, we will be taking a closer look into the trends that we are seeing in the Singapore's property and real estate sectors. Now, as we take a look around the world, housing markets are beginning to crack from the likes of UK, US, Australia, and even China, who is starting to see its property industry in a potentially deflationary crisis. Even Hong Kong's home prices are set to test a five-year low. Yeah, but it looks like things are slightly different here in Singapore with demand remaining steadfast and defiant even in the face of rising interest rates and a looming global recession. So to tell us more about the trends she's seeing in the Singapore's property and real estate sector, we're happy to have on our show Christian Thorsteins, Regional Head of Partnership Growth at IWG and Chairperson of the Property Guru Asia Property Awards Singapore Judging Panel. Christian, great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing this morning? I am great this morning. Thank you for having me. All right, Christine. So to start off this conversation, can you talk to us about the overall trends that you're seeing in Singapore's property and real estate sector? How does it compare to the year before? Are there any surprises? Yes, I think we can all agree that the big surprise has been the steep hike in residential rent. So both for HDBs and condominium. Since COVID, uh, HDB rents have surged by over 50% in wow. some yeah. areas. Yeah. And then the condominium sector is even worse. Some tenants are seeing their rent double these days, but it's a perfect storm. It's uh, created by a decrease in supply, you know, the construction delays, properties mm. going on block, uh, and then a surge in demand post-COVID, new arrivals, displaced demand from, you know, those who are waiting for their BTOs. And all this is creating this enormous increase in rent. Right. And yes, that's something that we've been seeing so far as well. And to what extent do you think has the inflationary environment played a role in this shift? Well, actually, not much. So, as I said, it's, it's a perfect storm of, of supply and, and demand factors uh, mm. that are driving the increase. If it was just inflation, we wouldn't be seeing such a, you know, such a high, high increase. Yeah. So, uh, but when it comes to buying a property, obviously, the higher mortgage rate will put off a, a share of the buyers. But at the higher end of the market, there are buyers who don't even need a loan. Uh, they are cash buyers. Mm. So the inflationary environment is going to have a very limited impact on that slice of the market. Mm, okay. Now, Christine, you talked about it there. Singapore home prices continue to soar, but we are still seeing new launches selling well. In fact, on the same note, there is still a continued strong demand and unrelenting interest in million-dollar HDB flats. What exactly is driving the demand and why aren't housing markets cracking like what we are seeing across the world? Yes, Singapore is definitely the odd one out when we look at uh, real estate markets globally. We can see that demand is uh, dropping off a cliff in markets like the US, uh, in UK, Hong Kong, Sweden. But yeah, Singapore is the, is the odd one out. So in today's geopolitical environment, Singapore is very much seen um, as a safe haven. Supply is scarce. I mean, it's an island, so there's not a lot of land. And when we were judging the Property Guru Asia Awards a couple of months ago, all the developers we spoke to reported very robust sales. And after the post-COVID surge in prices, and now that we are seeing the, the interest rate hike, I think in the year-end figures, we are going to see a stabilization, the increase in, in prices. 
due to the continuous uh, robust demand, um, I think uh, Singapore is going to enjoy this uh, position as, as the odd one out amongst global markets. Right. Then would you say that um, the sustainability of the high prices now would remain for the next few years or will we see prices dropping? I don't think we will see prices drop, you know, dramatically. There, there mm. might be, uh, you know, few, fewer sales, but we will see prices uh, stabilized. Uh, let's not forget that there is a portion of the market uh, at the high end yeah. who is completely uh, immune to interest rate hikes because these are cash buyers. And uh, that, that's why we will, you know, we will probably see prices generally stabilized, whereas they will be dropping elsewhere. Now, Christine, earlier in, <clears throat> earlier in September, the Singapore government introduced new cooling measures in an attempt to moderate the property market. And this includes tighter housing loans, 15-month wait for private homeowners to buy HDB flats. So while we're seeing transaction volumes in the public and private housing markets moderating in the past month, how sustainable do you think this is in the long run? Yeah, no, I think this is a very good measure. Mm. I mean, it's the government acting acting for the people. In in, in the end, you know, having a, a house over having a home is a, is a basic necessity and it has to be accessible to the masses. Yeah. So I, I think also here what, the, what we are seeing is that this is one of the reasons why the Singapore market is, is so stable when we've seen these crazy post-COVID increases mm. uh, like, in, like in the US and now it's just falling off a cliff. So all these measures that the government is putting into place, yeah, you know, some might think it's annoying, but um, in the ultimately, it's it's in the in the greater good if you uh, mm. look to the long term. Mm, mm, mm. Now, Christine, DBS OCBC also recently raised their interest rates for fixed home loans to up to four point three percent. What's your take on this, and how do you see this affecting demand from homeowners? Yep, the era of uh, cheap money is definitely over. <laughs> uh, so while we've seen prices and, and, and demand shoot up, I think this increase in borrowing costs combined with the cooling measures, mm. it will ultimately stabilize the market. Uh, and we will see this in the, in the year-end figures. So in the last quarter, the, the prices were rising almost, uh, almost 4%. The figure is probably going to be lower come end 2020. Like I said, there, was, there will always be, be cash-rich buyers, but for the large majority of people, they will become much more deliberate and, and cautious in their purchase decision, purchasing uh, decision. So, yeah, mm. this will definitely contribute to a stabilization of the market. Right, and it's uh, very good to know that at least the housing market here is going to be stabilizing. But why not let's shift over to commercial property and the future of workspace. Now, according to a recent data by the Urban Redevelopment Authority, rents in Singapore's central region rose 2.1% in the third quarter of this year. And that's a slower pace of increase compared with the 2.4% uh, in Q2 of this year. Now, talk to us about the trends that you're seeing in office rents and prices. And what kind of picture does this paint for the mid-term, mid to long-term outlook of the Singapore office market? So, as you said, Singapore continues to see rent growth. With grade A, rent is now higher than it was in the, at the end of 2019. So it is gener- generically predicted that the rents will continue to increase over the next 12 months, but maybe at a slower pace. But here it's a tale of two markets. So while the grade A offices and the premium buildings are, are enjoying good demand and, and rental growth, Rents for B-grade buildings mm. will be stagnating because we are going to see new office developments that are going to be completed, like Central Boulevard, Goko Midtown, and the new um, SP Tower near Labrador Park. And office tenants are going to upgrade and go into those new buildings. And that might leave us with older buildings 
that are going to struggle with vacancy. And then they will need to extend what we, what we call a, a brown discount in mm. the coming years to, to attract tenants. Then what about new working habits like working from home, you know, things like this that's coming out of the COVID pandemic? And how do you see this affecting the commercial real estate sector? Yes, it's very interesting because mm. in Singapore and across Asia in general, people have returned to the office to, to a great extent. Although it, it might not be 100% of, of what it used to be. And this is extremely different from what we are seeing, for instance, instance in the US, where basically nobody is back. Mm. <laughs> and if we're looking at Singapore, even if not everyone came back to the office, I don't think this reduced office attendance is going to translate into drastically reduced demand for, for office space. Mm. But the demand is going to be different. But we are seeing companies that are right-sizing and reducing their corporate HQ in the CBD. But at the same time, they're setting up uh, hubs in the heartlands or outside the CBD that are closer to where people live. Right. So they, they do this either through you know, conventional leasing or via flexible office providers such as uh, Regis. And that way people continue to enjoy the, the flexibility that they got used to during COVID. But at the same time, they work in a conducive work environment that facilitates you know, collaboration, which is so important. Right. And yeah, we're all about moving into the hybrid workspace, right? And so now, are you seeing a similar trend in the hospitality sector as well? I mean, how is this faring, especially with the pickup and tourism? So since the last travel restrictions were dropped earlier this year, mm. tourist arrivals have been, have been increasing steadily. And this autumn has been very, very busy with conference and meetings that couldn't take place during COVID times. The, the town has been full of people. Uh, Singapore is definitely the place in Asia where the hotel market has recovered uh, the fastest, mm, right. but, but we're still away from reaching 2019 levels. The big unknown remains when China will open up for travel. Mm. And until that happens, reaching full recovery will remain challenging. But Singapore, again, is doing a really, really great job in creating new destinations and making people come to, to Singapore. Singapore Airlines, I think the capacity is now up to 65 or 70 percent of the 2019 capacity. So in the regional context, Singapore is doing really, really well. Thank you for that. Now, if you're just joining us, it's Money and Me on Money FM 89.3, and we are speaking to Christine Torsteins, Regional Head of Partnership Growth at IWG and Chaperson of the Property Guru Asia Property Awards Singapore Judging Panel. Christine, I'd like to shift it on slightly to investing in the property market. In your opinion, is it a good time for investors to enter the property market? And if so, which sectors should they bet on? It really depends what your investment strategy is. But generally, investing in real estate is a long-term play. Mm. So don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Mm, right. <laughs> but, but, but we, that I was really we, good. Can you say it again, please? <laughs> don't, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Excellent. Excellent, right. I mean, we, we, we've been seeing in the, in the stock market and the, the recent crypto meltdown, I think that those who have been invest, investing in real estate are probably very happy that they, that they did so. Yeah. Um, if you're not in a hurry, you can't go wrong by investing in a high-quality asset in a good location, whether that's residential or in the office sector. Mm. There's also an opportunity to invest in directly, so buy shares in a real estate investment trust. Some of them are trading below their, their net asset value currently, mm. uh, so there, there's an opportunity there. And if you're more adventurous uh, and if you can get financing, I would look into investing in Japan. So 
with mm. the devaluation of the yen, it's mm. becoming much more affordable. And the interest rates there are, are very low. But yeah, that, that's for the, the more, more adventurous ones. Mm. Right. Any thoughts on uh, maybe exposure into China? Because, you know, with the current lockdown and everything, if it opens up, then doesn't it pose as a potential opportunity to make some wealth there? A very good question. Very good question. The thing with real estate, it is a very local thing. Right. So unless you know the market very well, you know the city, you know the neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, I would probably stay away from it. Mm. But if you have uh, you know, a local connection, it's a city you've been to many times, you know that there is a, a robust demand, demand uh, then, then why not? But the, the, the good thing about, I mean, the interesting thing about uh, investing in real estate ultimately is the, possi- is the possibility for leverage. Yeah. And that's usually what prevents people from, from venturing into new countries and, and new markets because it's challenging to, to secure the financing. Mm. Mm. That's a fair point right there. Now, Christine, where do you think investors can look for ESG opportunities in today's real estate market? Another very interesting question. So, real estate is inherently not sustainable. Mm. Um, It's a sector that accounts for like 30% of uh, CO2 emissions worldwide. There is a lot of interest in investing sustainably. The issue is that it's a young investment classification that is constantly evolving. And... Up until now, there have not been any, been any consistent standards as to what qualifies as, a, as an ESG investment. Right. Uh, and, and there's been a, a fair bit of accusations of, of greenwashing and, and, yeah. and, and things like that. But mm. come next year, uh, fund managers in Singapore must disclose the investment strategies, metrics and, and criteria of their ESG-related uh, funds. So with time, you know, it will become a more uh, transparent, transparent qualification. Mm, right. However, however, I think, you know, in the meantime, uh, act in a more sustainable manner. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, for instance, if you want to act uh, on, on, your, on your real estate, uh, when you do home improvement, uh, install energy efficient uh, appliances, right. um, uh, air conditioning, things like that, you, you know, we, we need to all act. Uh, in a way that uh, contributes to the preservation of the environment. I, I think that's more important than try to hunt for an, for an ESG-related fund. I think the action of each of us is uh, way more impactful. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, a little goes a long way, right, isn't it? So Absolutely. then what is your market outlook for Singapore property and real estate sector? I would say it's generally bright. Like I said, in, in today's world, in the geopolitical environment we are living in, Singapore is considered safe haven for many. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the upcoming you know, recession and the cooling measures, yes, they will slow down the price increases. But the underlying demand fundamentals, they are solid. Right. Supply is limited. And this will translate in a, in a robust market uh, going forward. Right. And do you have any outlook for the year 2023? How do you expect the property market to perform? So, like I said, I think uh, towards the end of the year, prices will stabilize. Yep. We, will, we are going to see a lot of new launches. I mm. think for the first time since 2013, the number of new condominiums that will be completed is going to exceed the 10-year the average. 
So, and, and I think that's going to be, uh, you know, welcomed by, by people who are on the, on the rental market for, for sure. Right. So, yeah, I, it, it will be good to see some of this, this pressure released off the, off the market. So we will, be a, we will be seeing a stable environment in 2023. Right. Fascinating. That's something we will be keeping a close eye out on as well. Thank you so much for, for joining us this morning, Christine. Thank you. It was very nice to speak to you. Great. We've been speaking with Christine Thorsteins, the Regional Head of Partnership Growth at IWG and Chairperson of the Property Guru Asia Property Awards Singapore Judging Panel. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.